Hello, listeners. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 328 of Sustainable Minimalists. If you're new here and you don't know what you just clicked play on, this is a show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing, and now this sounds really serious, but don't get scared, we are discussing the five pillars of functional medicine. What does that mean? When a new year starts, many of us tend to resolve via our new year's resolution to either lose weight or eat healthier or get healthy. And these resolutions, if you're like 97% of the population, these resolutions often fail. Why do our resolutions to get healthier, lose some weight, uh, be our best physical selves, why do these resolutions fail? And how can we ensure that if that's our resolution this year, we are setting ourselves up for success? That's what we're discussing today. On today's show, I am speaking with certified functional medicine health coach, Leanne Ribikov. She was a guest on this podcast before we discussed decluttering our pantry. I've also worked with her privately in her private coaching business. She has gotten me on board with a holistic approach to health and wellness, not just focusing on movement and nutrition. So that's what we're talking about today. Leanne, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show a second time, my friend. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so happy to be back. I always love chatting with you, Stephanie. Today, we're talking about how we can take the pillars of functional medicine into our new year, perhaps into our New Year's resolution. So many of us have a lose weight resolution or a eat better resolution. Why, in your opinion, do those resolutions often fail? It seems that, and this is such a great question, they don't 100% of the time fail, but they often do fail, like you said. I think it's, it mostly comes down to the fact that we think that we could make changes really quickly and that we dive into these very extreme new routines and habits. And that's just not how our bodies or minds work. We can't really like dive into the deep end without learning how to swim first. Over the holidays, people tend to indulge a little bit more and maybe put on a little bit of weight or feel a little bit more sluggish. Then come January, they want to do these really extreme things to get rid of whatever add-ons, whatever they put on over the time. And those things are really hard to sustain, just like any diet at any time of the year, because they're not really realistic. They send your body into deprivation mode. Mentally, they're incredibly challenging. And people are miserable while they're doing it. So how long can you do something that you're not really into? So maybe for the first couple of days, maybe a week, or even sometimes two weeks, it feels all new and nice. But then over time, you start to rebel. And that's really no one's fault in any way. It's a survival mechanism. Our body's always trying to fight any chance of hunger or anything that's stressful on the body. So we'll naturally try to find that homeostasis by rebelling. So Things like that just tend to not work when you are going into any sort of extreme situation. I wanted to do this episode with you, Leanne, because through working with you, I learned that there are indeed five pillars that we should be thinking about when we think about holistic health. 
I didn't know that there were five pillars, and I'm willing to bet a lot of my listeners don't know this either. We tend to hear about and focus on just two of them, which would be nutrition and movement, and completely neglect the other three. Why do you think, and maybe there's no easy answer, but why do you think there's so much overemphasis in the world on eating the right foods and getting enough exercise and underemphasis on sleep relationships and stress management? It seems that for a very long time, that's what our, I guess I don't want to say society, but those were the things that were seen as vital and important, right? So with marketing, you're able to put people on diets and that's nutrition. You create these workout routines and that's movement and exercise, right? It seems that we really haven't, the idea of the importance of sleep on the body or stress and how it relates to, let's say, weight gain, right? Or sleep, how it relates to weight gain. If we like hone in on what a person's goal might be, these are relatively new concepts in the mainstream and people haven't been exposed to them. At the same time, from a marketing perspective, you could create a diet, you could create a workout routine. Stress management and sleep management are a little bit more complicated and you can't really do it for the masses. You can, but it's not going to be effective. Things like sleep and stress are often very personal as nutrition and movement, but it just seems that most of the time people think that nutrition and movement are the only two things that they need to focus on because that's what you know marketing, commercial society is telling us, where in fact, stress and sleep is really where it starts because just focusing on your on movement and your nutrition is not going to really get you the results you want, maybe temporarily, but over time, you really have to hone in on the other things. Or sometimes you can't even get them to move the needle until you're sleeping well. And that has a lot to do with, again, our, our body's sense of survival and what happens to our hormones when we're not sleeping and when we're stressed out and how those hormones impact our cravings. And weight gain can often be mistaken for inflammation. I really love your answer there in which you tied in marketing, right? I never thought of it this way, but a company can market a new, I don't know, supplement or a new healthy food in a box, or a new company can market a new exercise bike or a new line of exercise videos, right? So there's marketable opportunities there. With stress management, with sleep, and especially with relationships, opportunities to, for lack of a better phrase, make a buck, get much smaller. Relationships, like, we're gonna, let's talk about relationships first, but I don't really see how a company can form to make your relationships with the people in your lives stronger. So that can definitely play a part. Like, how can we profit off of these pillars, we can profit off of two, nutrition and movement the most. And so maybe perhaps that's why the rest of us, the masses tend to focus on them because we hear about them all the time. Absolutely. And it's not even about making our relationships stronger. That's that. And again, it becomes very personal. It's about understanding how the relationships you have with certain people could impact your own personal goals. And we could add that there's like an element of we see more talk about meditation and these daily tips for stress management, but it's really tough to sell that to the masses or have an effective result because 
every person has their own source of stress. And that's the part that needs to be addressed because within functional medicine, we don't look at the band-aid, like we don't try to cover up the stress. We try to uncover what is the source of stress. And sometimes with relationships, you have to kind of address like who's in your immediate circle, who are the people that are going to support you when you decide to go, let's say gluten-free or dairy-free, or maybe you're taking a break from drinking, right? Or are there going to be people around you that are putting you down? As well as what are your relationships like that are, might be causing you stress, that might be causing you to end up in the kitchen or in the pantry overeating, right? Because those are important things to take a look at. And we're not just talking about romantic relationships. Your relationship with your child is a relationship. Your relationship with your neighbor is a relationship. At work, those are relationships, right? Your Instagram community, those are relationships that don't seem so obvious, but what are you consuming? Whose thoughts are you consuming when you are scrolling through your social media accounts? Those are all your relationships with the world. And they could significantly impact how you respond to a diet even, right? So it's important to take all of those five pillars into account to really see the success. And that's why going back to New Year's resolutions, they often tend to fail because we are putting the Band-Aid on. Okay, we're juicing for five days or we're hitting the gym for five days, but we're not taking into account all the other things that are playing a significant role in how your body responds. Hmm. When I think of the word pillar, I'm thinking about a building with pillars. Let's take the White House for an example. Each pillar is equally integral in the architecture of the building. So they each carry equal weight, let's say. They're each as important as the next. As a board-certified functional medicine health coach, phew, that is a really long title, Leanne, but (laughs) as that, are all the pillars of functional medicine equal in terms of weight? Should we be putting the same amount of effort and energy into all five, or are some more impactful, more important? I would say that all five are very important, but just like no two buildings are created equal, no two bodies are. But yes, they are all important. They all need to be taken into account. It's really hard to make some changes and then be like brought down by people right around you or not supported. It might just be very difficult because now instead of having five pillars holding up the building, you have four. So we have this tool that we use within I use it with my clients and I often check myself as well on a monthly basis to see where I am, to see what I need to be working on. And it's just a few questions within each category. And based on your answers, you could see what you score and then you could see what you need to work on. So we could share that if anyone is curious to see how they're doing within each pillar. And maybe those are the things that they know that they need to focus on more or less come New Year's Eve or I would say all the time. I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions, but I completely understand them, of course. Let's move on, Leanne, to nutrition. This is the one that gets all the attention come January 1st, the diets, right? (laughs) The eat better, eat less nutrition. Talk to me about nutrition, though, as a pillar of functional medicine. What should those of us who do want to eat better, perhaps lose weight, do with regard to nutrition? What's some like first steps? 
So within functional medicine, and I, this is actually dates to Hippocrates. So it's really, Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. So it's important to look at food as something that could nourish our bodies. Now we've come off the holidays or we're coming off the holidays and there's a lot of sugar and cocktails and wine and things that are just going to be disruptive to our our gut, which controls a lot of the things that are the functioning of our bodies. It's going to make us feel a little bit bloated, inflamed. So now coming into January, think about ways you could nourish your body. Now we most of the diets that are out there are these cleanses or these detoxes, right? They focus on just everything that you're removing. Now you're left with just juicing or you go on these restrictive diets. I would say focus on foods that are going to make you feel good. So eating vegetables, eating things that are not processed. If you just eliminate, and I know I'm going from to the negative, but if you just remove sugar and processed foods for a few days, you will feel significantly better. Also, it's really important to eat the foods you enjoy. Don't go on a diet that is vegan when you like to eat meat. Don't go on a diet that's a carnivore diet if you don't eat meat, right? Think about the foods that you enjoy eating. And I'm not talking about junky foods. What are your favorite breakfast foods? What are your favorite lunch foods? And think about ways you could incorporate vegetables into every single meal. We also have to understand that different fruits and vegetables serve a different purpose in our life. So if you've now had a lot of sugar or alcohol and you want to maybe detox a little bit, with detoxing, we just need to support our liver. So we want to add like the cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, kale, right? You might want to experiment with something like fennel or beets. Ultimately, it comes down to really coming from a place of nourishing. And we, we know, like deep inside, we know which foods are good for us and which foods are not. So get away from the sugars, get away from those inflammatory seed oils. Like I always talk about, focus on whole foods, have a great breakfast that's not processed, big lunches with lots of leafy greens. Think about those things that are going to be good for your body. Well, you said something there. I believe you quoted Hippocrates. Food is medicine. And so I always thought about getting healthy as eating less. By working with you, I was eating much more, much bigger meals because I'm trying to add healthy foods. Food is medicine. So what can I add to support my health? And at first, it didn't make much sense to me. But now I continuously, how can I add a green into this meal? How can I add a... I don't know, a red food item, a red fruit or vegetable. Thanks to you, Leanne, I'm still putting cauliflower in my smoothies. Who would do that? I do, and it tastes great. (laughs) So the mindset shift there, away from restriction and more to what can I add as a means of supporting my overall health, that was extremely powerful for me. And Also, it does just go back to the basics, doesn't it? There's no quick fix. There's no extreme program or diet or five-day whatever. It's not about the extremes. It's about slowly and quietly making small changes that you can stick with for a lifetime. 100%. And you have to make them over time as well. And that was the question in the beginning, like why do diets, why do these New Year's resolutions fail? Because we're doing too much at once, right? So if you want to really succeed over time, you can't deprive your body. You can't go into these deprivation modes. You can't go into extreme workouts. That's just going to 
make your body really stressed out and the stress is going to cause inflammation. So when you start looking at food as something that could be nourishing and enjoyable, right? You start looking at foods differently. And this might seem really unattainable to some listeners right now. And they might think, I don't think I could ever get there. And Stephanie, you and I know that, yes, they can, right? It's just small steps. So maybe if you're having cereal for breakfast and you're like, that's a processed food and I love cereal, that's fine. Do you have 10 minutes to make a homemade granola? That's going to be so much better. It's going to have nuts and seeds. And let me tell you, the taste is there. You could still have it with your nut milk. Could you swap out one of the things that you're using? Can you pay attention to those ingredients? Can you take a look in your pantry and see where there's some hidden seed oils and just all those little tiny changes over time, retrain your palate, retrain your gut. So you stop craving it. Things that I used to eat back in the day, and I have to be frankly honest, I was there. I was on the bandwagon of the 100 calorie snack packs and chip, and I still love chips. I just buy a really good, healthy, a good quality brand, right? But now there's things that I used to eat. Like one of the things I did in my 20s and 30s is that I loved to have peanut M&Ms after, after dinner. Like I would go out to dinner, I was single in the city, I'd have to go to a bodega, get peanut M&Ms. I look at peanut M&Ms as like fake food. Like I have zero craving for it now. Do I like chocolate covered almonds? Oh my God, so much. I still have a sweet tooth. But things that are processed, they stop looking like food to you. But that takes time, right? So I think really it's important to just have the patience to take yourself through the journey and realize that it all comes down to just small, gradual changes. Just focus on one thing at a time. And I guarantee you'll succeed. Hmm. Well, Leanne, we're going to take a quick ad break. But when we come back, we are going to talk about sleep. How important is sleep really? We're going to do that and so much more after a quick word from our sponsors. Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below. And that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. So next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. Coastofmaine.com. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. 
Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. And we are back. Today, I am speaking with Leanne Ribikov. She is a board-certified functional medicine health coach, and we're talking about the five pillars of functional medicine. We're on to sleep, Leanne, and sleep is getting a lot of attention these days. I think, finally, the world is coming around to realizing that sleep is really darn important. Rise and grind lifestyle culture is not doing anything for our holistic health. Talk to me about sleep. How important is it really and why? Well, if I could choose where to start with every one of my clients, I would choose sleep. Often we do nutrition because people prefer that. But sleep is really important when it comes to our health and not just your general health, but our goals of maybe weight loss or fitting into our clothes better. So what happens when we sleep is that there's processes that happen in our body that are going to determine how we act the next day, right? So when you're not sleeping well, your hormones are out of whack and you might find yourself craving carbs and cookies and crackers and all those quick energy fixes. Again, it's not your fault. It's just a survival mechanism because what happens is your satiety hormone goes down, your hunger hormone goes up, and our bodies, just from a survival stance, they think, oh, you're tired. We need to get some quick fixes. So in terms of how it's going to impact your weight loss goals significantly, and it's not just about the quantity of sleep. You might be getting eight hours, but it's also about the quality of sleep. So the quality will determine if you are going into those really important deep, deep sleep cycle and REM sleep. And that's a direct reflection of your habits in the evening and your habits in the morning. So if you're scrolling on your Instagram account or on Facebook, or you're just even sometimes reading your book on your phone, that is going to tell your brain that it's um, daytime because your brain can't tell the difference between the blue light and light outside. So now your melatonin production, which is your sleep hormone, is going to go down. Your cortisol is going to go up. You're not going to get that good quality sleep. You're going to have more cravings the next day as well as your body is going to be more inflamed, more lethargic, obviously. You're going to be reaching for that third, fourth cup of coffee, which is also going to shoot your cortisol up, which is going to create up your blood sugar to rise, which is going to create you to hold on to fat. So as you can see, indirectly, what you're doing at nighttime has a significant effect on the next day, even the day after. So it's really important to get into a good sleep routine. Sleep hygiene is something that I emphasize all the time. I am neurotic when it comes to my sleep. I could be watching a show at 9.30. There could be like a cliffhanger. Someone's, the main villain's going to die. I don't know. Something's going to happen. And I'm like, TV off, time to go to sleep. (laughs) My husband does not like that about my habit, but it's important to me. My body responds so differently when I don't get enough sleep. And the way I like to do is there's a nighttime routine. Maybe you put on some lotion. Maybe I highly recommend reading an actual hard book before going to bed, quieting the mind, like legs up in the air against a wall could really be comforting and soothing. But yes, sleep is incredibly important when it comes to our health goals. And since we're talking about New Year's resolutions, weight loss. Yeah, I don't know if the general public understands that they could be putting everything right into their bodies and moving every day. But if they're getting 
terrible sleep, their weight loss goals are going to be thwarted. I don't know if people truly understand that. So thank you for making that point. What do you say to people who say, oh, okay, I need to sleep better or more or deeper. I'll just take some melatonin. I feel like melatonin is all the rage these days. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, of course I do. (laughs) So I'm not anti once in a while having some melatonin. First of all, check your source of melatonin. If you're having those gummies, that would be my like quick saying, no, you do not need to be putting sugar in your body, especially right before you go to sleep. Check your melatonin supplements because it's really important to make sure that there's no ingredients that are actually going to be counterintuitive to you getting a good night's sleep. So there's a few on the market that I think are great. There's about a gazillion on the market that are terrible. So check your melatonin. Melatonin can be used once in a while, but you never want to become addicted or relying on something to help you sleep. You need to train your body just like we do with our kids to be able to fall asleep naturally, stay asleep. If you're not able to sleep through the night, if you're not sleeping well, that is a sign of something bigger. So melatonin again is going to be, or melatonin supplement is going to be, is again going to be that band-aid effect. So you're just covering it up. Also, what happens is that it becomes ineffective. Your receptors to melatonin are now not going to respond well to your own melatonin production. So you're becoming addicted to melatonin and it's not good for you because melatonin and cortisol are hormones that are on a seesaw. So you don't want to disrupt your body's way of regulating those hormones. Our bodies are incredibly intelligent and they know what to do. So it's most important if you find that you need melatonin to sleep, assess what is going on with your sleep. Are you having a hard time falling asleep? Are you waking up frequently in the middle of the night? And then we could address what is causing that problem. It is much better for you to be able to fall asleep and stay asleep on your own than to be relying on a supplement. All right, Leanne, let's move on. We have to talk about movement. This was something we worked on together. I was of the belief that my workouts, most of my workouts every week had to be extreme, like extreme workouts, extreme health. That's how I was thinking of it. But I learned from you that is incorrect Tell me all about movement and what's so wrong with the extreme movement, hit workouts mentality. Oh, I love this one. Okay. So, all right. We should be moving often, not crazy. So movement is incredibly important. I would say that you definitely want to try to get 30 minutes or so of specific kind of movement, whether you're running, strength training, yoga, Pilates, you do want to get that in the day, preferably in the morning. If you work out closer to bedtime, that's going to impact your sleep. So another thing to consider, are you doing your workout right before bed, which is shooting your cortisol up? But what our bodies could sustain in our 20s is not what our bodies could sustain in our 30s, 40s, and beyond, especially when we start to creep into the 40s. It becomes incredibly more stressful on our bodies. And every time we put stress on our bodies, if it's not able to be handled properly, it causes inflammation. Also, extreme workouts cause extreme hunger. I used to love that 90-minute hit class or 90-minute cycling class. But what happens is that you are working out so hard that later on you're really hungry, but you're eating way more than you burned. So it's really counterintuitive to what you're trying to achieve. 
So being gentler on the body is really important because when you are going hard and long at it, you're creating all that excess stress that is, again, going to be counterintuitive. At the same time, it's really important to keep your body moving. So if you are working out in the morning and then you're sitting the rest of the day, it negates the workout that you do. Our bodies need to always be in motion. If you think about back to our ancestral days, right? We were always moving. We were nomads. We were moving around. So it's really important to be mindful when you, if you, especially if you're at a desk job, that you get up once in a while and do a few squats. In fact, I have a few clients that like don't have time to get a full workout into their day, but we create these little movements throughout their day where they, every time they go to the bathroom, they do 10 squats and it all adds up. The most important movement you can do is to walk after your meals. It's it's a significant impact on all your health goals. It impacts how you digest your food, how you're storing fat, how you're sleeping, believe it or not, your stress levels, maybe your relationships, if you're taking your hubby with you for the walk (laughs) or not, leave him at home. But um, it's very important to make sure that you're always moving your body, that you're not sitting throughout the day. And I actually had the privilege of wearing a blood glucose monitor just to see what happens because I'm such a believer of this. And I found even after a really like high carb meal, taking a 15 minute walk significantly dropped my blood sugar level. So walking after a meal is one of the best things you can do. And I know that we, some of us live on the East Coast and it's getting cold and you might not have access to going outside after dinner. Walk around your house. Walk If you have stairs in your house, amazing. Go up and down three times. Take your kids with you. I live in a building in New York City. And after dinner, it was raining. And I asked my kids if they want to walk up and down the staircase with me. They were so excited. We all got our movement in. And it's just finding ways to constantly be keeping your body moving. If you're working and you have access to a standing desk, amazing. Could do some squats, like I said, lunges, leg lifts. Keep your body moving. And try to minimize those extreme workouts. Our bodies aren't meant to be working so hard for such a long period of time. Is there a benefit though to a once a week hit class, a once a week really hard workout? Is Aren't there heart benefits to that? Yeah, there could be, right? So if you're doing like a 30 minute hit class or a 30 minute hit ride, It's really a matter of being your own scientist and seeing how you respond. If you're finding that on the days that you do a HIIT class, you are really tired later on in the day, or you have stronger cravings later on in the day or immediately after, it's usually not immediately after, it's usually around three o'clock, then your body's letting you know that that was too much. It's important to realize that we're not all created equal and what one workout could be great for someone is not good for somebody else. I used to find that when I would, now looking back, when I was doing the hit, a lot of hit workouts during the week, that I would be moody. And that's just my body's way of telling me that I was stressed. And then that I was putting an extra stressor. So as far as my workout routine, I try to incorporate a little bit of everything. And I do sometimes do like a 30 minute hit class, like a free video on YouTube. There's so many great ones, but I also listen to my body. And I, if I feel like it's too much, I don't do it anymore. I'm a huge fan of Pilates lately. I know for some, and I used to be a crazy runner, crazy hit class person. And I still love those things. You don't have to remove them. Just try not to do it all the time. See, find your own balance. Yeah. I must say too, that before working with you, I was a pretty big exercise snob. I still kind of am. I'm an exercise snob. I'll admit it. But 
a walk would never have been, in my mind, considered adequate exercise. Because again, exercise snob. But these days, going for a long walk or hike with my dog in the woods is some days my exercise. And it's interesting how pillars play off of each other, right? A long walk with my dog in the woods helps my stress. And then boom, there you go. So I think it is about like listening to your body. What does your body need at this moment? The HIIT workouts, the extreme speed workouts for me with my running, they always without fail make me ravenous. And when I'm ravenous, all food is medicine, goals and beliefs go out the window. When I'm ravenous, I'm going to eat anything that's in my path. And so I think it's important to say that these pillars, they really do ebb and flow together. They don't stand alone. Yeah, 100%. Like for me, at one point in my life, my stress was really impacting everything and I was having a hard time. So it's really important to assess where you need to make a little bit of a change or a movement, right? In order for us to see change that we want, we need to make changes. And sometimes those changes could be a little bit hard and uncomfortable, but when you that uncomfortable feeling is also a way of signaling that maybe this is what you need to do, right? The things that we want to avoid the most are probably the things that we need to do. So 100%, if if addressing a negative relationship in your life feels like the most uncomfortable thing, that might be the thing that you do need to do, right? So if you're finding yourself snacking and then feeling guilty about it, maybe that's the what needs to be addressed and the source of it, right? So maybe it's a stressor or maybe it's too much movement or maybe it's a relationship that's causing you. So like you said, they all feed one into the other. And it could be just one that we could be throwing everything else off or maybe they all need to be worked on a little bit. So everyone's different. That's why the mainstream diets don't work because they don't know what's going on in your household every day. (laughs) Well, Leanne, we're going to take a second break today. Listeners don't hate me. We got to do it. Second break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about stress management and we're going to wrap up. And we are back. We're speaking with Leanne Ribikov and we are on to stress management. Leanne, this is a big one. This is a tough one. Before the break, you mentioned how we need to take into account individuals' lives, individual situations. I would say that's especially ultra true when it comes to stress management. Talk to me about stress management as a pillar of functional medicine. Well, there's different types of stressors, right? So there's like the mental, emotional stress that you feel from things that are going on in your life. There's the stress that you're creating on your body through the food that you're eating. When you're eating foods that your body can't digest well or toxins that are coming in, that's a stressor. Your beauty products could be a stressor, right? Your household items could be a stressor. These are all stressors that could be building on each other to the point where at some points you hit a limit and you just your body just doesn't function well. So it's important to address all of the stressors when we're looking at things. But stress management, some of the things in our lives we can't get rid of, right? So if your kids are causing you stress, like they do for me sometimes, can't really get rid of our kids, (laughs) nor do we want to, but we need to figure out how we could approach it better. And it's creating that balance within yourself, right? Also, there are so many beautiful techniques to manage stress. 
that you just need to see what works for you. Maybe there's breathing exercises, right? For some people, movement is a source of stress mitigation. Obviously, meditation is a great way to manage your stress. And a lot of people get turned off because they say, I don't have the time. I don't want to sit still for 10 minutes. I have things to do. But realistically, when we look at our schedules, there's always time. There's always time. And it doesn't have to be 20 minutes. It could be five minutes. Think about the things that you're doing that are wasted time sometimes. And we all do it. I'm guilty. It's really important to hone in on what is your source of stress. A question I always ask my clients when we start talking about stress is, when in your day do you feel the most stressed? And sometimes they'll say in the morning, what's going on in your mind in the morning? I have a thousand things to do. I have to do this. Okay. How do we create more time? Or what, you know, when someone is in the evening, I start thinking about the next day, I start thinking about this, and I can't have ruminating thoughts. A great thing to do with that is to be like, we try, we all turn away from all these simple things we could be doing, because we all want a quick fix, like the melatonin, right? But if you really want to feel better, if you really want to have long lasting effects on your life, you want to be happy and healthy and wake up and to enjoy your day and be looking forward to the next day. You got to put in the work sometimes. And it's, it's some, most of the time, it's, it's the free things that often tend to be the most effective. And you have to buy maybe a piece of paper and a pen, but that could be a huge investment on your health. So stress management, got to see what's causing the stress and start mitigating it. I'm so happy you said that, Leanne, because that was what I was going to say. A lot of these techniques, these tweaks, these lifestyle tweaks that you're bringing up, they, again, lie outside of consumerism's reach, like sitting in quiet and focusing on your breath for 10 minutes is completely free. I mean, sure, you could purchase a meditation app if you felt the need, but at its bare bones, that is a free lifestyle tweak or going for a walk after dinner up and down the stairwell. <laughs> That's a free lifestyle tweak. And so I'm so glad you brought those up. When it comes to nutrition, things get a little dicier. We're talking about access to healthier foods. We're talking about privilege associated with purchasing them. But for some of the things we're talking about today, these are completely free and accessible lifestyle changes. They're not as glamorous as the quick fixes, but done over the long term, they are tried and true. Absolutely. And it's when we start to really hone in on how important it is for us to feel better or how important it is for us to make those changes that we start looking around. Even with movement, there's so many free workouts on YouTube, right? There's always the outside and even with nutrition, sometimes we, yes, 100%, organic is more expensive. I'm not going to deny that. But I had someone say to me, because they were tweaking everything, that like healthy food is more expensive. And they were talking about processed foods. Yes, processed, healthier foods tend to be more expensive. But if you start focusing on whole foods, if you could hone in on just trying to eat whole foods, things that grow in the earth, it's affordable. It's when we try to eat healthier by buying processed things that it could get pricey. And oftentimes it's not better for us. So a hundred percent, just the most important thing is to assess what needs to be done. And then, you know, taking a few minutes with yourself and checking in on your commitment to getting to where you want to go. Hmm. Well, circling back to a point you made earlier, which was, of course, that everybody's situations are different. We work together and you really personalized your guidance 
for me based on my needs. So I'd love it if we could just take a couple minutes and you tell my listeners what you do and how you help clients like me. If it's okay with you, can I put it back on you and ask you, how are you feeling now compared to before we worked together? <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever asked me a question on the podcast before, Leanne. I like it. <laughs> I would say my life and my outlook and my thoughts on health have drastically changed. I was an extreme person. I would go on an extreme diet or do an extreme workout. And then because extremes are never sustainable in the long term, I would pendulum swing over to the other side where I would eat really unhealthy and then I would feel guilty. So I'd go back to the other side of the pendulum and work out extra hard. And you have absolutely helped me bring all of the pillars that we're talking about today to very darn close to a even standstill right in the middle. So if that, I don't know if that makes sense to anybody. It makes total sense to my brain, but less extremes, more long-term sustainable tweaks. So where can listeners learn more about you and your work? You could find me, my email is leanneribicoff at gmail.com. My website's leanneribicoffwellness.com. If anyone is curious about where they stand within each pillar, we could link to an assessment that you could do. It's personal to you and you could see where you stand. I will also be doing a five-day reset. And I know that sounds extreme, but it's not going to be extreme. It's just taking the things like what Stephanie and I worked on and doing it one day at a time. But it's the things that you learn that could be applied throughout the whole year. So you'll still feel good, but it's there's no extreme juicing. There's no extreme diets. And there's no extreme workouts. It's all just very simple and enjoyable. I'll link to all your things, and I just want to thank you again, Leanne, for coming on the show, but also really changing my life. I know we'll talk soon, so thank you so much. Thanks, Stephanie. This has been a wonderful experience. Listeners, that's a wrap. Everything you need is in the show notes, mamaminimalist.com forward slash 328. This was a long show, and in hopes of being mindful of your time, I am going to say I'll see you Thursday. Reach out if you need me. Take care. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.